Welcome to the Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, host of this podcast and a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and well-being consultant. It's a great pleasure to welcome Limerick's Dan Morrissey onto the podcast this week. Dan reflects on what it's been like to win four of the last five All-Ireland Hurling Championships and shares his journey on and off the field. We also chat about the role of sports psychology, the importance of belief and confidence, and how grateful he is to be part of this golden generation of Limerick hurlers. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that this podcast series is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Dan, first of all, just thanks so much for joining us on the Players Voice podcast. I think I'll just start in the most obvious places. How has life been since the All-Ireland final? What have the last couple of weeks been like for you? Ah, yeah, it has been great. Um, yeah, particularly, I suppose, the last two years, we haven't been able to celebrate it as much as, as we'd like with COVID and all that. So to be able to have a proper homecoming and banquet and uh, everything like that this year was uh, was great. So... Yeah, I know, we had a great week straight after. Um, did a bit of a tour of the county, stopping in different towns and villages. Um, and then, to be honest, yeah, we were back with the clubs the following weekend, and it's kind of been flat out with club action uh, since then. So, look, I'm sure we'll have a, a few more evenings uh, over the winter to celebrate it. Yeah, from the outside looking in, it, it really did feel like there was a great sense of joy coming out from the camp. I know, I think you were on News Talk the morning after. I think I saw you and there was a couple others. Um, and it almost felt like in a way you were both celebrating this year's success, but also as you touched upon there, the kind of the last two years in different ways as well, because you're actually able to fully be together, embrace it and experience it with each other, but also the wider community and people of Limerick. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it definitely was extra special this year. Um, look, yeah, last year, okay, there was half capacity, but there was no... Um, there was no homecoming, there was no banquet, um, there was nothing like that. And and the year before, the 2020 final was uh, just surreal altogether. We uh, got uh, played the match. We actually ate our uh, post-match meal just under the stand. We weren't even allowed into the, the, the kitchen at the restaurant in Crow Park to have the meal. And we got the train back to Limerick um, and everyone had to go their separate ways. Everyone was going to... I don't know, home or to different shabines around the county, but there was no pubs or nothing open at that time. So this year, uh, yeah, to be able to, to celebrate it properly, I suppose that's what all the training is all, is all about, um, to be able to, when you do win something, to be able to properly celebrate it and embrace it. What are those, getting to celebrate it properly, Dan, like what are those kind of feelings, what are those emotions you're able to like fully experience and and process during those days, I suppose, listen, and in terms of an All-Ireland winning team, there's such a build-up in terms of your training, your season, the phases, then there's the semi-final, there's a final. So then to get to actually just fully kind of embrace the aftermath of that, what's going on there from an individual perspective? Yeah, I suppose it's pretty hard to even explain the feeling inside you. Um, 
I suppose you spend so much time with, with that group, with that group of, of players and, and, and management uh, for, for seven, eight, nine months of the year, uh, training four or five days a week. And it, it all builds up to, to the All-Ireland final. And uh, yeah, when that final whistle blows, it's just an outpouring of, of emotion. Um, that them few minutes on the field uh, after the game and then in the dressing room afterwards, I think we probably spent two hours in the dressing room singing songs and taking photos and so they're, they're the memories you, you'll have forever and you'll, you'll always remember that. Um, and then, yeah, sure, going back to the banquet that, that even um, was was very special, getting to meet your, your family. Um, who've obviously been there to support you all up along, uh, was very important as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just a real kind of outpouring of emotion. Um, I suppose, yeah, when you've put in so much effort for, for such a, a, a long period of time and to, to get the reward at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's just a great feeling. And when you, like, when you say the outpouring of emotion, like what, what kind of emotions are you feeling there? And that, like, what are they? Yeah, I suppose it's just uh, excitement for the few days that's ahead of you because, you know, uh, I suppose most lads will have the week uh, booked off work and uh, just looking forward to spending it uh, in each other's companies, not having to to worry about training or, or anything like that, where you can just, I suppose, forget about a lot of worries in life and, and just really spend it with the people that matter in your life and, and, and relax and enjoy. Um, so yeah, in terms of the like the the exact emotions, it's it's really just so pleasing that uh, something you've worked so hard to achieve that 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 you have achieved it. Um, so yeah, look, it was uh, it was great celebrations this year. And like when you say there, like obviously it was the third in a row this year, fourth in five years. Is it still the same? That's still a huge outbreak of joy. At any point of that journey, Dan, as you kind of win more and more, does it start becoming like a relief or a, a kind of a, like, does it change from that joy in any way or is it still its own thing, if you get me? Yeah, I I think think they're still as special and you get just as much satisfaction as the first. Uh, granted, look, 2018 was, was, was crazy and a phenomenal year for us in terms of it was 45 years since Limerick had won in All-Ireland, so... Uh, look, the celebrations and the homecomings and everything that happened that year uh, will probably never, ever be repeated again. Um, but still, each year of the last three years has been just as good feeling for us as players. Um, being, yeah, being able to to celebrate it. And uh, I think when, once you've won one, you know, um, I suppose you know the happiness that it brings to you and the people around you when you win one. You're more determined to win another one again. Uh so definitely for me personally, I'd say for the majority of the players, the feeling that we had after the final this year was was just as good feeling as we had in 2018. Uh, and we, we definitely celebrated it just as much as well, because this was you can't take these for granted either. Look, please, God, we might have another one or two, but uh, you uh, you have to celebrate each one as they come. Yeah, like just listening to you there, Dan, I'm thinking, so you get the final, there's that kind of huge outpouring of joy and emotion then you get your couple of days together where you really get to hunker down and it almost like it's a it's an intensifying 
piece of like the time because you're all together all the day then for a couple of days afterwards and I'm just curious then what's it like then the following week as you kind of then actually leave that bubble and you have to integrate kind of back into normal life day to day um, where ultimately that season is now done closed and behind and life kicks back in what's that what's that transition like the following week after the week after the week after yeah, um, I don't find that, I suppose, too bad. In particular, the way you go back to your clubs, it's not like you're just leaving down to Hurley and, and having a break for a few months. Like, we were back training with the club the following weekend. So, uh, in that regard, it makes uh, it makes the whole thing a lot easier. Um, you're, okay, fair enough, you're going from, uh, I suppose, the highest, uh, the, the biggest game you might ever play in an All-Ireland final and then going back to play with the lads you've you've always grown up with. So in that regard, um, I found the transition grand. Uh, and then, yeah, I suppose everyone's back to work and things like that. And you just have to realise uh, life goes on. Uh, you have to celebrate moments like that when they happen. But uh, it, uh, it thing, uh, it's not like we're professional players. Everyone works our, our studies and things like that. So, um, yeah, look, we, we enjoyed the week, but got back to reality quick enough to follow on week again. And genuinely, like, is there any kind of, do you ever have a moment like that where you're back sitting at the, the desk and work if you're working from home and you're you're focusing on the task that's there on a Monday, but your brain kind of, does your brain ever kind of want to be back out there again? Is there any ever any kind of conflict or tension with that in terms of the sport life, I suppose identity, but just in a day-to-day sense? Ah, yeah, for sure there is. Uh, yeah, during the day, your mind would often be wondering, uh well, I suppose even during the season, you'd be always thinking about the, the next match or the match that just passed. And I suppose once the season has passed, uh, you'll always be thinking back to the, the great memories and match days and uh, and everything that goes with it. Um, yeah, it's obviously a lot different to uh, your rugby and soccer players, the professional players, where maybe after a big final like that, they have they could have four or five weeks off uh, in their off-season just to, I suppose, to, to relax and uh I suppose think about the game that they played whereas I suppose with the GA player um, I suppose you, you just don't have that time you, you look you enjoy as much as you can but you have to kind of get back to reality that bit quicker as well and then so what is what is reality like for you Dan what is what's your life like away from hurling what does that involve yeah so I'm a, a tax advisor and a chartered accountant uh, for Delight here in Limerick uh, so I've been working with them now for just over six years so um, yeah, I'd always be giving the students and the teachers a, a slagging that, that they don't uh, that they don't have much much work uh, being off the summers and half days during the year. Uh, so there's actually a good few of us on the Limerick team that are that went down the accountancy line. Um, so no, I enjoy it. It uh, is a very varied uh, work day, very interesting. Um, based here in Limerick makes it uh, obviously a lot easier for for the hurling in terms of not having to to travel long distances to training. Um, I think nearly, I'd say, ninety-five percent of our panel are kind of based in Limerick, which is, which is very helpful when you look at maybe some other counties from from the west of Ireland, in particular, in the football. They, probably a lot of them live in in Dublin and have to travel midweek back home for training. Whereas being based kind of in in the in the county you're playing for makes it a makes it an awful lot easier. Um, so no, look, I, I. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy my job and it suppose take, takes my mind off the hurling and my hurling then takes my mind off the job. So they're a, they're a good combination and uh, and they've worked very well over the last few years. 
in terms of your career then, Dan, like, was that something you knew kind of from a younger age? That's the kind of route you were going to go down or you're interested in? Did you stumble across it? Kind of how did that happen as you trying to like transition from your teenage years into college and then trying to get a career together? What was that like? Yeah, I, I suppose I was lucky in a way that from kind of a young age, I had a, a fair idea that uh, the route I wanted to go down in terms of college and what I wanted to work as after. Uh, so the accountancy would have been in, in the family. So that would have, yeah, went to UL, did my four years there and went down to UCC and did a, a one-year master's as well. Um, so, yeah, I suppose the GPA do give an awful lot of help to, to lads that mightn't have a, an idea of, of what they want to do. And uh, I suppose, look, there's, there's obviously a lot of people out there that, that aren't sure what they want to do and they might try a few things out. But uh, in my case, I suppose I was, I was lucky enough that I always had a fair idea that I kind of wanted to go down the kind of accountancy line and I've ended up in tax and uh, yeah, no regrets anyway. And then, so as you kind of advance, as you advance through college, Dan, and then you kind of enter the workplace, what was that like for you then in terms of, so obviously Hurland's always bubbling away in the background, but then as you tried to piece together that dual career, finding that kind of work sport balance, um, how was that for you kind of in your earlier 20s when you try and piece that together? Because I know that's a lot of a lot of the time players struggle with that transition of coming out from, say, the college experience where they have more maybe spare time or recreational time. So was there ever any challenge with that for you? Um, yeah, I'd say the college years are probably that bit harder because you just don't have as much of a routine compared to when you start working. Um, particularly if you're on a county panel there when you're when you're in maybe first and second year in college and none of your friends are on a county panel and they're probably going out in the beer every Tuesday and Thursday night and you obviously can't if you have a, a league game coming up so uh, yeah particularly in that age it can be uh, I suppose it can be challenging to to remain disciplined and remain focused um, whereas look I think when you start working the routine is there I'd be a big man for the for the routine um, like I suppose, yeah, I'd leave the house at, at half seven or eight in the morning and do my day's work in the office and, and head off to training in the evening. Um, I suppose you have to obviously be fairly prepared in terms of getting your lunches ready, getting the gear bags packed the, the day before. But I think once you're in a, a routine like that, it's easy to maintain. Um, whereas I suppose college and then maybe being off on summer holidays and things like that, or maybe if you have a part-time job when you're in college, it can be, I think those few years can definitely be that bit more challenging to, to I suppose, uh, remain disciplined and, and keep your performance up on the pitch with, with everything that's going on in the outside. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective on, as you said, like you, you clearly sound like someone who kind of having that structure thrives on that. And then so it might take you a little bit to piece it together. Once you have it together, you can kind of maintain it and keep repeating that. Um, and then the other thing you touched upon was just in terms of being based around Limerick like was that something that regardless of Hurling you always wanted to stay around home has Hurling kind of influenced that decision for you in terms of trying to be in and around Limerick kind of talk us a little to us a little bit about that yeah I suppose um yeah I never really had an interest moving moving outside of Limerick I went down to UCC all right I did a one-year master's but all there but in in general I was always happy to remain in Limerick and I think particularly yeah with the hurling in mind, it's very hard these days to be to be living somewhere and having to commute two hours to train and then two hours home again. Like we had a few lads on the panel there who were working in Dublin and 
like they could be leaving work in Dublin at two o'clock in the middle of the day and not being back in Dublin till till close to midnight. Um, so yeah, I would never. I don't think I'd ever be able to to those sort of commutes. So no, definitely. I suppose in choosing my, I suppose going to college in UL initially and and choosing where I wanted to work. Um, yeah, the hurling was definitely on my mind in choosing Limerick as a base and. Um, yeah, look, in terms of the sacrifices people make, um, that's, I suppose, a small sacrifice. Um, I know, like, look, a lot of people would love to be working wherever, whether it's abroad or in Ireland. But um, I think from my own point of view, being being based in Limerick has definitely helped. Yeah, and I suppose, like, um, we'll come to it now because I know from, like, going back years, you've playing for Limerick is something you've always aspired to and wanted to do. And it's always been a huge part of your ambitions I suppose, like, on the flip side of that, before I go there, Dan, like, you're 29 now, right? Um, yeah. So, I think, and in fairness, like, you've done, from from the outside or from talking to you, you seem to have done a pretty good job at stitching that work-life balance. You just got promoted in Deloitte to, as, to a senior tax manager. Have you given, have you given any thought to what life might be like after hurling yet? Like, where are you mentally in terms of your sporting career right now? Yeah, I suppose I don't try to think about it too much in terms of, uh, look, please, God, there's another few few years left in me. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd see myself fairly settled here now in, in, in Limerick. I suppose when I was younger, there was always a thought of, Do, I'd love to do a few years abroad, whether that's in Australia or wherever it may be. Uh, but look, as the hurling's gone so well the last few years, it, it was always going to be hard to, to turn around and, and leave a setup like, like we have at the minute. Mm. Um, so yeah, in terms of life after hurling, look, I'm lucky enough to be doing something that I really enjoy at the minute. Uh, so at the minute, yeah, to keep progressing in that career path is uh, is definitely what I what I'd consider when I finish up. Um, how helpful has I suppose having a having a company that has supported you on your journey where you're literally you've been able to develop both as a player and as a person from work and life perspective at the same time is that something that like you're grateful for oh for sure yeah uh like yeah look there's there's obviously a lot of flexibility there in terms of if i if i did have to leave work a bit early to to head to training or something like that there there'd never be an issue and i think that's the same for all the lads really who are who are working uh for companies um yeah there has to be a bit of give and take and they know they'll they get it back off off me in, in other ways then as well so um no for for sure there's there's been a, a bit of flexibility there but uh thankfully it's all worked out well over the last few years good um I suppose as I'm thinking there and just kind of as a, as, as we pivot to maybe some, some of life stuff on the field, Dan, like, I mean, you sit here today, having won, so there's four Munster titles in a row, three All-Irelands in a row, and kind of alluded to, you know, people look in now and see Limerick as this kind of all-consuming, such like a, a machine. Um, and I know I just mentioned to you before we popped on, before we popped on to record, it's just that your actual inter-county career and Limerick career kind of came from more humble beginnings in terms of you played two years minor, three years under 21 and hadn't weren't part of any Munster Championship for all our own successes. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, uh, 
Uh, we we had a decent under the team, but we never really we never really won anything. Um, yeah, I played three years under twenty one, and it was straight knockout back then, and we lost the first round every year. Uh, and same with my two years minor, we we never made it to a monster final or anything like that. So, um, yeah, look, I suppose there there has been two All Ireland under twenty one wins that have kind of backboned the team uh, over the last four years or whatever it's been. Uh, but yeah, I suppose. Growing up through the Limerick Academy, when I was going through it, we weren't quite as successful. Um, and look, yeah, I suppose it took a, I suppose it took a few breaks to to get asked into the Limerick panel. Then back in 2014, uh, I, I suppose playing Fitzgibbon Cup with UL put, put me kind of in the shop window as well. Um, in fact, most of the Limerick lads have all played kind of Fitzgibbon Cup, whether it's LIT, Mary and UL. It's it's a great stepping stone to intercounty. Mm-hmm. That kind of stepping stone between your under twenty ones and and senior at intercounty. So, uh, yeah, up till twenty eighteen, and I had had won very little, I suppose, in a, in a green jersey. And then, look, since then it's kind of taken off with the with the league monster and all Ireland crowns. Um, yeah, even my first whatever four years and on, on the Limerick team, I came in in twenty fourteen, so just missed out on the twenty thirteen monster success. Uh, I'd say even when 2017 came around, uh, I don't think anyone could have uh, could have imagined then what would have happened in the years that followed. Yeah, for sure. And like I'm even thinking of like you know when you come out of the underage teams, Dan. Oh, Dan, and I know you mentioned there like Fitzgibbon plays a huge played a huge role as that kind of halfway house or that stepping stone. But where like in terms of intercounty hurling, where were you at mentally then? Kind of having done your couple of years in the underage teams, working towards trying to climb those ranks and get to the top level. But having invested in it for a couple of years, time-wise, physically, mentally, and maybe not got some of the rewards you would have expected, where, where were you at as an individual kind of coming out of those teams and trying, were you still determined to step up? Was there any kind of questions of, hey, is this really worth it? Is this what I want to do? Where were you at yourself at that time? Yeah, I, I think there definitely was questions that, because you're, you're still training just as much as, as you are now when, when you're winning. Um I suppose trying to motivate yourself to go back to pre-season in November, December in the, in the freezing cold and lashing rain uh, when you've probably got knocked out in the first round of the qualifiers the previous year, it definitely is a lot harder to, to motivate yourself to, to get prepared for the coming year again. Whereas thankfully the last four or five years, you're going back, uh, the, the season is that, is that bit shorter as well with the, with the new structure. Um, you're going back with a, I suppose you, you've a great belief that you're going to be there or thereabouts the following year again. Um, so I think now it's a, it's a lot easier to, to kind of motivate yourself for those four or five weeks of, of tough running in, in the preseason. Whereas, no, for sure, going back there for some of the, the darker years in my, my early years on the senior panel, you'd be thinking, was it all worth it? You see friends going off abroad and off on a lot of different holidays and you'd be thinking, oh, should you be going off with them and, and pack it all in? But thankfully, uh, kept the head down and uh, it's paid off now. Yeah, so even back then, like as you said, there's that phase of life when people do start breaking out or going and doing different things or there's a sense of, you know, maybe the grass is greener on the other side. What is it then that kind of keeps you on on the Limerick path of, of, of chasing and pursuing that ambition, that dream? When you ask yourselves that question, those questions, I suppose, what helped you find the answers that you did? Yeah, I suppose it's always, I'd always just try to be the best that you can be and that you don't want to finish up with any regrets. So like, 
I think uh, every year you, you go out, you try to be the best player and you try to make the team the best team that they possibly can be. Uh, no matter what it is, whether it's on the field or even off the field, you don't want to only give a half an effort because when, when you do finish up, you're, you're going to regret that. So, uh, yeah, I, just, I suppose we have the belief that whatever you do, you, you do at 100% and, and try not to have any regrets afterwards. And then... So Fitzgibbon comes Fitzgibbon comes around, Dan, and then you said you made you make your debut in 2014 in a league game against Antrim, I think it was, right? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think you, you didn't get any championship action that, that year too either, did you? No, I think I came on as a blood sub, all right, in the okay. quarterfinal against Wexford, but I don't think okay. that counted as an official appearance. No, I'm, we'll give you that <laughs> one for sure. Um, <laughs> I suppose I'm, I, what I'm thinking about is then... You, you obviously put the head down and you work hard and you're a young player trying to climb the ranks there and you kind of get a taste of the action or a sniff of the action. That season then, 2014, getting close, getting in around it, does does that make you want it more? Does it test your patience and nearly push you the other way in some ways? Kind of what was that kind of season like for you? Yeah, I for me it was great. Like It was actually uh, quite a successful year. We were unlucky in a Munster final and... We lost to Kilkenny by a puck of the ball in the semi-final and they went on to win it. Um, but yeah, I suppose come at the end of that year, I was definitely determined to, to try and make more of an impact the following year in terms of uh, pushing my way onto the starting team. Um, but yeah, your first year in inter-county panel is always uh, an unreal experience because I suppose I'd grown up going watching Limerick games and watching a lot of these lads play and they were some, some of them were my heroes growing up. So... To, to be training with them and playing with them uh, was just unreal. Um, but yeah, I suppose then, yeah, your, your first year maybe you, you, you set lane a bit, but then you soon realise that there's no point just being on a panel for the sake of being on a panel. You want to make an impact and uh, you want to get in the starting team and making an impact when you're on the starting team. So um, that's, that's the next step then is just pushing yourself that bit more. And then how, so... How do you go about doing that when you're asking yourself those questions, you're reflecting on your first season, you're, you make a decision of, right, I want to push on, I want to drive on. What, I suppose, what are you, what questions are you asking your, of yourself there? And ultimately, what do you decide to do then that's going to help you take your game up another gear, another level? Because I, I suppose the reason I ask is, hey, this is the Players Voice podcasts. It's produced in collaboration with the Gaelic Players Association. So there'll be lots of players listening to all different parts of the panel, on a panel, off a panel, have been on it, are off it, are off it and want to get back on. So I'm just kind of curious as to kind of what your mindset was as you're trying to make those steps up the ranks, Dan. Yeah, I think it's really just trying to find areas that, that need most improvement and focusing on those areas. Um seeing, I suppose, what the, the lads ahead of you have that, that you don't have and, and just working extra, extra hard on, on those particular areas. Um, and then, yeah, just having a mindset that, look, if you're doing a run in the middle of November in the Lashing Rain and be thinking, are, are other people out in the, around the country doing that same run or doing that extra gym, gym session? And just trying to make those all small extra 1% that, that all add up, uh, whether it's your nutrition or your sleep or your uh, your an extra ball wall session um just trying to at intercounty it's it's such a a small gap between the starting team and the panel and being just off the the panel uh it's such small margins and you you do need a bit of luck but it is these small one percents as well that make such a difference and uh just being able to improve 
in certain in a small bit in over certain areas can uh, can be the difference between making a panel and not making a panel. For sure. Um, and you found did that that mindset and committing to that did that then did that benefit your development in terms of the 2015 season? How does that manifest in terms of your game and your development as a player? Yeah, I think it, I think it did. Um, yeah, it wasn't as if it was uh, a switch of a button and uh, you're, you're going uh, from uh, not starting to be to being an all star. Like, yeah, these things uh, like 2015 and 16 were were poor enough seasons from us from a from a team's perspective. We uh, I think we got beaten in the qualifiers in both years, and we didn't make it to a monster final or anything like that. So. Um, I suppose, yeah, it was, uh, there was still questioning times over those years, but I suppose you just have to keep focusing on improving and, and, and still believing. Uh, like even, even in those years, I think we always did still have belief in Limerick that on any day we, we could beat anyone. Um, but um, then, yeah, I suppose it just took a few years longer to tick um, than, than we had hoped. Yeah, and as... Like as you alluded to there, there was a couple of disappointing defeats then in fifteen, sixteen. I know I think in fifteen there was a heavy defeat to Tipperary in Munster. And then I think you was you were beaten by Dublin in the qualifiers. Um I suppose then, like skipping forward to so John Kiley enters the scene, he gets appointed at the end of twenty sixteen for the two thousand seventeen season. He's someone who'd been around Limerick teams in different capacities as like manager of the intermediate or selector with teams in under twenty one. So I suppose from from that time when he as when he enters the scene, what's he able to do or what gaps is he able to fill that maybe where Limerick have been coming short? in previous seasons? Yeah, I suppose it was just a mix of everything. Look, he surrounded himself with a great backroom team with with Paul Knark there as trainer and everyone else there around him. Uh, like I know a, a lot of commentary has been around the size of backroom teams in, in GA these days. And look, it's it just shows where the, where the game has gone. It's got so professional. Um, and then look, obviously there was a good panel of players coming through. There was those couple of under 21 on Ireland wins. Uh, as well, which I suppose does sides kind of backbone the panel for the, for the last few years. Um, so it wasn't as if every like a, a huge amount had changed all at once. Uh, but I suppose it was the coming together of a, a lot of small different things that made that have made the difference. What were what were the most significant of those small things in your mind? I suppose like from outsiders looking in, Dan, like it's up people sometimes feel like someone came in and waved the magic wand, you know what I mean? Or like brought in this one genius that changed everything. And I think as you're touching upon there, it's a wider spread. There's different people involved, but just at a more practical level, like what are those things that as if it was you as an individual, if it was a team, the things that needed to change that were going to take you from Limerick from where they were at that point and help you move forward to get closer to what you wanted to achieve as a group. Yeah, um, a lot of it comes back to belief as well, and just believing that you're good enough to compete with the uh, with the Kikennies, the Tips, the Corks of this world. Um, I know 2018 we had a league game up against Galway at the time in Salt Hill, kind of a playoff to get up to to one A. Galway were the farm team; they were All Ireland champions the previous year, and they were flying it. Um, and we went up, and we won by a point or two, and. A game like that, uh, even though it was only a league game, but say in the month of March, it, it did give us great, great confidence. And some, it can be something like a simple win like that uh, can kickstart a year. And then 2018 just really took off. Um, 
we I think we got beaten by Tip in the league semi-final and then the championship yeah we we came out of Munster we didn't make a Munster final we came third in the in the round robin series and then just got a bit of momentum and uh yeah what one win like that uh, can do it just gives you so much extra belief which uh it's hard to pinpoint uh, the difference it, it it actually makes but it does and um, we've just we've just kind of carried that belief now the last few years that that we know uh, that we're good enough to compete with whatever teams throw against us. Like you've mentioned belief there a couple of times and how that can come from like a small win that can give it a spark. But I suppose there'll be lots of people listening and curious as to how you really develop that on further. Like belief is such a simple word and it's a small word we hear in dressing rooms all around the pitch. But how do you actually grow that? How does that develop into a, so strongly the way you guys did it? Yeah, I think just having reference points that you can reference back to is where it comes from. That if you have a reference point of of say a, a truly great performance that you had maybe individually and as a team that you can always refer back to, and you kind of think about that performance then before you go out on the field, that just gives you that extra bit of confidence. And when you're playing with confidence like that, the ball just often seems to to bounce the right way a lot of the time. Whereas Maybe when you're low on confidence, when the, the, you think the ball's going to bounce one way, it might just bounce the other way. Um, so that's kind of, uh, yeah, my take and kind of having belief and and having confidence. No, it's it's it, it's savage because it's obviously like people will, when they hear words like confidence or they hear words like belief, again, they're expecting some kind of magic solution. But what you're saying is just find the little nuggets that can actually reinforce what it is that you're doing well. Um and to give you evidence in terms of what's going to help you to do that again or to do that better. Like, is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember one of my underage club uh, managers used to always say before we went out in the, the field to play a game, he used to always say, think about, think about the best game you ever played uh, and have that been your last thought before you go out onto the pitch. And mm. I often think that's a great, uh, such a simple message, but a great effective message. Um, to give to give someone confidence when when they're going out playing a game. What's the what's the best game you ever played? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to go back to that. Some underage game, an under twelve or fourteens. Uh, I know. Look, I'm sure there's a there's a few out there now, but um, hard to pinpoint one off the top of my head. And then, just as I kind of. As you kind of close out on 2018, Dan, because obviously, look, it's such a big year for, for Limerick, for yourself. Um, I know after the 2018 game against Kilkenny, you said that there was, you said in an interview that there's something different about this team. And I'm just kind of curious when you look back now, four years later, I was one, what did you mean by that? And then two, did you know that your words were going to be so prophetic in terms of what was, what was coming ahead? Yeah, I'm not sure if that was me or Tom who said that now, but uh, either one, yeah. <laughs> I think it was, um, yeah, I think it's just, I suppose, the, the whole confidence that, that this team has. And I suppose the younger lads there that kind of came up through them under-21 winning teams, uh, particularly the under-21s that won in 2017, they would have had a lot of success underage at, at minor and, and they won the under-16 All-Ireland. They would never have feared, say, any of the, the big, the, the so-called big hurling counties. Um, I think when they when they got brought into the senior panel, they kind of gave that belief to to everyone involved, and 
Yeah, I suppose maybe that's that was kind of how how maybe we were slightly different to the previous teams where we we never really feared anyone and you just went out and played and always had the belief that that you were good enough to compete at that level. And you mentioned Tom there, Dan. What what's it like being on this journey with your brother and getting to play on these biggest games with Lillery, one one of your brothers who you grew up probably taking lumps out of in the backyard or pra- maybe you were practicing your skills, but. Uh, What's it like to be playing on the biggest stage? I think in 2018, I think he scored 1-1 in that final, did he? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. Uh, Does he remind you of that too Um, often? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the forwards get all the credit, sure. Um, I know, look, it's it's great. Um, Yeah, we would have always played throughout the back. Tom is a twin brother there as well, so the three of us would have always been playing together. Um, Yeah, out the back of the house. Never probably in our wildest dreams we would have thought the two of us would be lining out together mm-hmm. winning all Ireland's for Limerick. Um but yeah, he was all, he was three years behind me and he would have played up along with the Limerick underage teams as well. Um and look, yeah, every game then that was a fantastic occasion for, for the family, all the cousins and relations, everyone loving going to the games up in Crow Park or around the country, wherever they're on. So no, for sure. It does make it that extra bit special when you have another family member involved. And I think like you you mentioned it right back at the start, I think, of the chat, like that 2018 one just being kind of such a unique experience because it was a it was a 45-year wait between All Ireland wins. I mean, yeah, it must it just been a, it must just been a crazy euphoric thing, was it? Uh, yeah, it was looking back on it. Uh, I suppose when you're in the moment, you might you don't probably appreciate it uh, as much. But when you're looking back um, at some of the the days and nights in the in the weeks and months that followed that that win, it it was just unreal. Like it was, look, it was a week of homecomings. I remember after the game, and then literally every single club had some sort of a homecoming. Every school wanted the trophy. Um, remember, we got trips to. We played over in the Fenway Classic, I think, in Boston that year, and we got a. There was another fundraiser, Limerick had in New York. We went over for a weekend. We had a team holiday at Christmas. Uh, yeah, there was just so much happening those three or four months after that final. Uh, it was it was a few months you'll you, we'll never ever forget. Um, the whole county was uh, was gone crazy. It was just so long since the, the Lee McCarthy had been back in Limerick that uh, everyone wanted a piece of it. And that. How has that, how has that changed now in the last couple of years, Dan? In terms of, so you've just completed a three in a row, and to have, you've experienced that first huge breakthrough, and then now to get three in a row, like how, how different is that from like a mindset or a mentality within a county? Like, does it change people's? Do expectations change? Do perceptions change? Kind of what's that journey been like? Because. I'm just very curious about it because you got to be in the breakthrough room where it's like literally as high as the high could be and then kind of what are those kind of follow-up years like? Yeah, I think, look, in fairness, the Limerick supporters still appreciate everything that's happened over the last few years. Like the the turnouts this year again for the homecomings were, were just unreal. And uh, I suppose, look, they're appreciative of the lift that, that the team has given the county over the last five years. Um yeah, granted that that first year is is extra special, um, but for sure the the Limerick public have still celebrated this one as as if they hadn't won one in in forty five previous years. Um, in terms of expectations, yeah, I suppose it's only natural that expectations have increased uh, every year that goes on. Um, 
look, I'm sure at the start of next year, a lot of the Limerick public will be disappointed if we if we don't get to an other All Ireland final and win one again. Um, that's just the nature of sport. When you when you win one, you're expected to go on and and always kind of stay at that level. Uh, and please God, we can for as long as we're able to. Like you strike me as a group, Dan. That so lots of teams get to break through and get an All Ireland. Well, sorry, not lots, but quite a few do. But it feels like as a group, you are quite comfortable in terms of carrying that expectation and holding yourself to those standards and trying to, I suppose, maintain and sustain success in a way that not many teams have been able to do over the years, being being frank about it. How, I suppose, what has helped you as a, either you as an individual or you as a, you as a group to be able to sustain that in a way? Because again, it's genuinely something, and I'm not like, sugar cone or trying to brown nose you here like it's a very very difficult thing to do and I feel like any player listening any fan listening would all want that for their county because it's difficult um, and I suppose I'm just curious as to kind of what has helped you guys to be able to do that yeah for sure um, especially like the new structure like this year say playing seven games to, to win in All-Ireland uh, you have to maintain consistency for for so many for so many games, whereas maybe in the past teams you mightn't have had to peak till you were some teams might have been guaranteed nearly to get to an All Ireland semi final, and you know you only have to peak then. Whereas we know like the Munster Championship is, is so is so tough to get out of. You have to peak from from day one in, in Munster. Um, look, I suppose the the depth and competitiveness within the squad definitely pushes everyone on because you you can't sit back and uh, rest on your laurels. You know you have to push on to the next level the following year. Um, and then it's just a whole group realizing that I suppose the joy and emotion that winning winning an All Ireland brings that you're even more motivated again to go the following year and put in an extra effort. Whereas I suppose if you've if you've come off a, a back of a bad year and you think you're miles off win, winning anything, it's very hard to come back the following year to motivate yourself to go again at it. Whereas when you're coming off the back of a year when you've been successful, it's a lot easier to motivate yourself to to get going again because you know you're in with a great chance of winning something again. Yeah, I think that's such a, it's such an interesting kind of perspective on success because I feel like sometimes when teams do make the breakthrough, the success is like almost like the end goal, the destination because they've been trying to make that breakthrough. But it just sounds like that's something you have been able to, while you get the breakthrough, you're also able to evolve then and actually see that there's a window of opportunity here to do something bigger and to do something kind of special for the place that you're from and from the America. Am I picking that up right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and look, everyone realizes uh, inter-county careers are, are relatively short. It's not going to last forever. So uh, yeah, both as an individual and as a team, you want to make the most uh, of it while it lasts and, and be the best you possibly can be. I know in terms of, you mentioned earlier with John at the helm, the players that are there, I suppose one of the other names that's often mentioned around Limerick is Caroline Currid. And I know she was on the panel after the All-Ireland win this year. And again, I said it earlier, people kind of have this thing of they think someone has a magic wand or that there's just like magic thing that someone else doesn't have. But like genuinely, could you talk to us a little bit about the role that she has played with the group in terms of developing and empowering you as a collective to be able to do the stuff that we've just spent the last hour kind of talking about? Yeah, look, Caroline's been phenomenal since she came on board. Um, I suppose everyone, everyone's different when it comes to, I suppose, sports psychology. Um, some people buy into it a bit, a bit more than others. Um, but yeah, in terms of everything, the belief that she's that she's given the whole group, 
the organization um yeah it's been huge and look i know i suppose most panels now have a performance coach or sports psychologist involved in, in some shape or form um, that's just one way the GA has kind of evolved over the last number of years. I remember when I first came into the panel, uh, a sports psychologist or performance coach was uh, was uh, probably unheard of. Um, so yeah, I suppose it's just the belief that 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 she gives people and uh, and the confidence. Are you someone yourself who like has benefited or feels comfortable engaging in sports psychology? I know because again, in any panel, there are some that will engage more than others. Where do you kind of fall on that on that scale? Yeah, no, I I would I'd, I'd probably in the whole panel in general I'd probably be somewhere in 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 the middle. But uh, no, I I uh, in terms of like even getting routine and, and things that you you wouldn't even think uh, would fall under the umbrella of kind of sports psychology. Uh, that she that she'd help out with, um, and that I find very beneficial. Um, and yeah, this it's a small. Going back to even the small one percent, kind of where you you think you can improve uh, in in such small things like getting your routine right and, and things like that. Um, so no, I've definitely learned a lot of valuable things over the last number of years. And those like and, and coming back to it again, Dan, because I feel like say confidence and say belief. How then have you been able to to build that in yourself as you've grown up, as you've developed as a player, as you've developed as a person? If you can kind of give us any insight into how practically that can be done um, or how it has worked for you, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose, look, on the field, I'd go back to just having reference points that, that give me confidence knowing that you can kind of compete at that level. Um I suppose it's the same. It's the same off the field. Um, whether it's going back to like a good a good exam result you had, or uh, I suppose a, a good work experience that you had, and and being able to prove to, to yourself that that you're able to kind of compete at that level and, and do things at that level. Um, that's kind of what I uh, what I think about um, and what kind of gives me confidence both on and off the field. No, it's great. Like I feel like because this is both on the field and off the stuff Dan kind of what you're talking about and how you're coming at it is like using like lessons from the past both successes but probably some failures as well in terms of what could I have done better reflecting on really using lessons from the past to kind of help you in the present or drive you forward is that kind of a process what you're talking about here yeah definitely yeah and yeah in terms of lessons learned like uh, I know it's a bit of a cliche that you say you learn more in defeat than you do in a in a win but um yeah, whether it's something bad that's happened off the field or, or a loss uh, in, a, in a match, there's always things that can be learned that you can uh, develop and improve on in the future. And is that something Is that something you would do yourself on your own, like with a journal? Is that something you might do with the likes of Caroline or Paul Canurk or a backroom team member or with other players? Like, How would that maybe reflection work practically for you? Yeah, it'd be more an individual thing. Uh, okay. Look, everyone's different in their approach. I, uh, yeah, I do maybe journaling a bit, having like different goals and things like that, and, and kind of checking up on them every every few weeks or whatever. Um, and yeah, I often do think it's good to be putting your putting your thoughts down on paper and being able to kind of properly reflect on them. But I suppose every player is different. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it would mainly be done kind of on a on an individual basis. Brilliant. And then I suppose like you said from an individual basis there, Dan, I was just curious as well, like what's your 
kind of role in the Limerick team? Like, are you someone who, are you put your head down and do your own job? Are you kind of more of a talker? Are you part of a group that kind of helps oversee things? Like, what's the kind of, what's your role or, or dynamic within the group? Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't be a man now for these big halftime talks or anything like that now. Um, I suppose, yeah, just, uh, I suppose it maybe helps some of the younger lads settle into the panel, I suppose, at this stage now, probably one of the more experienced lads, um, given the, well, I suppose in 2018, we were an extremely young team, I suppose we're, we're that bit more experienced now. Um, but yeah, trying to help new lads onto the panel, settle in and, and so they know exactly kind of what's expected of them. Uh, but look, we've, yeah, we have great crack inside there. So some of the lads are, are mad and the crack we have before training and after training is, uh, is just unreal and kind of what, what makes the, the 90 minutes or whatever you are out on the pitch all worth it. Uh, you have to crack before training, but when you're on the field, you're serious and you, you put, put 100% into it and then you can enjoy and have the bit of crack after training with the lads again. It's something that's really, I mean, I feel like it's really important and sometimes it gets overlooked in sport where people can start talking about processes and roles and jobs and I like tactics and game plans but it, it sounds like and I know I've heard other players some from you guys and I've heard you talk before that is important to be grateful of that and be aware of that and appreciate the times you do get to have enjoyment too right as when, you, like, when you're on that journey when you're doing those winter runs there's lots of hardship and sacrifices that we've talked about but having that joy and making sure you get to experience that's really an important thing to help sustain your career and being part of a team, right? Ah, oh, for sure. Yeah. The, look, the enjoyment we've got out of it over the last, I suppose, five years in particular has just been unreal. Like the the team holidays, the the night the nights out, the, the crack just in the dressing room after training uh, is unreal. And I suppose, yeah, it does it does motivate you to to put in the effort, uh, especially during the pre-season. It's, it's so hard to, I suppose, get yourself motivated for going back there before Christmas or whenever for for all the runs and in the in the rain and the cold uh, to have those reference points of, look, put the effort in here for these next few weeks and uh, please God you'll have uh, nights out and, and holidays and, and things like that to celebrate when, when it's all done. And then just as kind of, as we come to a close here, because I know you had me pre-warned that you've got under sevens to go and train. So I, I definitely don't want you feeling their wrath when you get there for being late. But just as, listen, like we've had such a lovely chat down, kind of dipped in and out of so many things from from life off the field to sports psychology, to successes, to failures, to different stages of being at a panel. When you kind of reflect on the last, you said five years there, let's say the last five years in particular, like what are you most grateful for to have, have had in those last couple of years? Yeah, um, I suppose just grateful that, I, that I'm involved in, in, in the panel. Um, like, look, so much different things could have happened. You could have chosen a, a different path. Uh, you mightn't have chosen hurling at all. Like, cho- uh, just to be involved in these memories over the last few years. And look, they're memories you'll carry till your grave that you'll be able to look back on forevermore. Um, like there's not one specific memory that, that jumps out at me. It's just a collection of, of a load of different memories. Um, and look, they're the friends you've, we've made, um, our friends forever. And uh, yeah, it's just been, it's just been a, an unreal few years. And please God, there's, there's another few ahead of us still. Yeah, and I've no doubt there is both for, for yourself, Dan, as an individual and, and for the collective. And I suppose kind of, 
like when that time comes and listen we all only get to play for a certain amount of years you might have one more in you might have 10 more in you, in you but kind of like when you finish up playing the kind of player that you've been the kind of the kind of leader that you've been for Limerick and with your club obviously as well what kind of what kind of words do you hope people remember you by in terms of the way you played the game what kind of player you are yeah um well that's a tricky one now but uh yeah i suppose look um i suppose hard work is always one that comes back to us in limerick uh you want to be known to be someone who, who worked hard and kind of left it all out on the field and and uh gave it his all every day he went out in the field and i think that's all uh supporters and people can ever really ask for um so yeah look if i if i remember like that i'd i'd definitely take it <laughs> I'm sure now, and I'm sure you will. And my very last question for you is, and I know, like as you kind of just wrap up on that, like, can can you imagine? Can you imagine what life is going to be like when you can't play hurling anymore? Like when that? Yes, you have your career we've talked about, and you have your family life, and but can you imagine what what life is going to be like when that when when you stop playing? Yeah, um, I suppose I have given it some thought. I th- I think going back to the point where, look, you, you have the club and look, please God, I can play with the club for a, a long number of years after I finish up with, with Inter-County. Uh, whereas you go back to maybe a professional sports person, when they finish up, they're probably finished up for good. Um, so in that regard, it's it's probably the, the retirement process is, is that bit easier that you can go back and play with the club for a few years. But no, for sure, when I do hang up my boots, uh, it will be it will be tough to 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 realize that yeah the highs you've had so playing in Crow Park uh, you won't be having those days anymore but I'm sure I'll embrace it as a supporter our, our life after I finish up and look having a, I suppose look a good career outside of hurling is important to have a to have other folks isn't I'm sure I'll I'll take up golf or some other sports to keep me occupied as well. No, excellent. Look, I know, listen, your club are very lucky to have you, Dan. Like Limerick, absolutely very lucky to have you. And I've also, we've been very lucky to have you today. So I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your insights and your honesty. I know anyone who listens to this will take some stuff out of it and it'll relate to people in different ways. And that's that's what it's for. There's lots of people at different parts of their journeys, experience things in different ways. And I think your, your insights and your perspective will really add value to that. So I just want to say thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks a million for having me, Alan. Much appreciated. I'm so grateful that we got to have such a good chat with Limerick's Dan Morrissey, and I hope you enjoyed his insights on sport and life as much as I did. The Players' Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. Earlier in the series, we've also featured interviews with the likes of All Ireland winner Conkle Patrick. Cork's Ashing Thompson. You can also find those episodes and all my other conversations with leading GA players by searching the player's voice on whatever podcast platform you prefer. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, please go to www.realtalks.ie or find me on Twitter and Instagram at AOMTheCat. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's Bio360 program by visiting Bio360 dot gaelicplayers.com thanks for listening